you studied pathology in the 90s, not too long ago, right, like 30 years ago or so, you would have to always accept the fact that the brain and the nervous system never renew themselves. That, is, that was the working theory in that time. And even people who had open mind thought, forget it, the brain, as you age, is becoming rigid. Nothing can possibly change it. It will only be stuck where it is. Yes. The doctors you met in Stanford studied in the 90s. They're rigid, they're stubborn, and they don't know what they're talking about. Okay? Let's start with that. And I want to tell you that I'm not the only one who say it, because um, whenever I go to conferences, I remember a conference in Italy, there was one ophthalmologist who said, you know, there were so many new biological discoveries about the brain, so uh, basically he said, until the age of 18, the brain can develop, and then you lose cells, and you lose cells, lose cells. Here's what we're learning these days that actually new cells are being formed all the time in the brain. The issue is, with our routines, we kill them. Okay? What do I mean by that? If we need routines to feel stable, we need a routine all the time. Coffee for breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certain breakfast, right? This is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. That's our routines. Right? Basically, that's all. And it is a, a mode of survival because you have to have it in the jungle to survive. You need to know where your territory is, where you should be, how things should be, or else you'd be crushed or killed in an unknown place. People didn't find each other uh, with phones in that time. People would get lost if they would go out of, out of their uh, area. And that, by the way, that did happen. We know even in modern times that some native people in native tribes got lost from their tribes because they went too far and didn't find their way back. Mm -hmm. And it even happens in modern time when somebody decides not to take the phone and there's no reception. They can get lost <laughs> even in small uh, jungles, you know. I've heard of a yoga teacher in Hawaii. They got lost for like 10 days and couldn't find a way. So those things do happen. But what I'm saying is... <clears throat> We have routines, and we kill our brain cells with those routines. Every brain cell that has initiation or genesis has 28 days to uh, become functional. 28 days. And if it doesn't communicate with 100,000 other cells, it dies. There are cells that build brain cells, okay? They're called BDNF. And their cells, by the way, one thing I can say about medications in general is that medications either stimulate you to function or block your function. Both are important. It's important to block some function. It's important to stimulate function. So I just want to explain to you. Most of you relaxed when we did palm. Right? Mm -hmm. Am I correct about it? Or no? yes, yes. Some are annoyed by palming, by the way, because they're not used to be relaxing. Uh, I guess uh, I repeat my regular joke, like somebody sent me a postcard that says, 
Mayor, don't tell me to relax. My uh, stress is the only thing that holds me together. Right? <laughs> so the point is, um, palming is relaxing. The question is the effect of palming. So here's what I want to tell you about that. It has no effect unless it's being repeated. Why? And you pay attention that we repeated it between two and three times a day here, right? But that's not enough. You're going to have to do a lot of it at home, okay? Um, I came today and I palmed and sang. Uh, I came a bit early, I sat down in a dark room that's really dark, darker than here, and I palmed and sang. That was a form of relaxation for me. So, palming has to impress on, on you eye relaxation. Means you palm once a week or twice a week in memory of this class, you may as well commemorate this class. It's going to be a bygone, it's not going to do you any good. If you don't palm again and again, you don't impress upon your brain that the eyes can relax beyond sleep. Okay? That the eyes can be nurtured on a regular basis. So there is no exercise which is any good without intense repetition. So repetition is very important. So, for example, these days I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be 69 this month. I'm approaching my 70s. If I want to study a new language, I can't listen to a word once or twice. It has to be 30 times. And if I don't do it, a month later, I don't even know those words, right? That's, that's what's going on. So that is also true about body movements. Now, so to kind of bring up <clears throat> what was I teaching you in these two days and what I want to teach you today. What I'm doing these days and what I was doing before is I'm attempting to get you to be in a mode, in a mode where you discover more and more about your body. Stop evaluating your body. Stop being too fat or too thin, too pretty or too ugly, too this or too that. Love your body as it is, exactly. And each day, find new things to do with it that it needs and didn't do. That becomes exactly the work we're doing. We're attempting to find things that we haven't done. Because otherwise, what happens is this. An injury that happened 15 years ago becomes your permanent chronic problem. Right? It's not going to move away. Because it is the injury that happened 15 years ago. Arthritis never heals that. Okay? Um, multiple sclerosis, well, you're going to have to stay with it for the rest of your life. If you are exploring and exploring and exploring and exploring what have I not learned that I need to do, the moment you do that, your life changes completely. And that means that you, that you determine that every morning, if you have 45 minutes, do that. If you have 20 minutes, do that. If you have eight minutes, do that. But every single morning, you are devoting to explore movements that you're not doing in your daily routine in your body. You can die to a routine. You know, some yoga students, some, somebody, some very known yoga teacher said in one of my classes that 
it's easier to work with the initiating student than with the experienced student. Because the experienced student already knows the routine. There's very little to bring there. And it's kind of funny because they say that yoga has endless possibilities, like 84,000 exercises, right? So it's easy to be uh, frozen into routine. But the initiating students start everything from the beginning. They want to learn something they haven't learned before. And so, uh, you know, they're saying in the Bible that Moses was young. Did you hear that? That they say he was young. They said he was young when he was 84, right? <laughs> so the idea of being young is, in a way, being reborn to a new way of thinking, to a new way of being, okay? And in our 21st century, people die to routines. They're not moving from where they are. <clears throat> and so I want to repeat what I was saying. Whenever you adopt new concept in your body, to make it a potential change in your body, it has basically to be repetitive. I'll give you one example, two examples before I move, move on. And I'll, I'll have my little complaint about the world of today. And then we'll start to do the exercises. Okay? So, one great example. They took 200 patients with strokes. I've heard that actually in the late 80s already. And... They compared them to 200 other patients with strokes. One group uh, met physiotherapy twice a week and did some exercises. They had, they had some gains. Another group, they, normally, you know, in many times in strokes, you, the thumb touches the index finger, doesn't open, and it doesn't move much. So they would tie the 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 arm that wasn't damaged and they would force for eight hours a day four times a week for the other hand to work with 98% success I've met so many people who finished physiotherapy physiotherapy helped but they came to me and they could do so many more things like a guy could walk with his walker but he couldn't lift his arm up when we finished he could comb his hair he cried with gratitude to what I've done with him so what I want to say here is that repetition of what you need to do. Because what happens in stroke? Part of your brain has been damaged. And that may be a permanent situation. But other parts of the brain can take over for the part that was damaged. Because the body, to defend itself, basically is able to get cells which are not functioning for any reason, called blastema cells, to work for the cells that have been damaged. Can get other centers to take part in what you do, right? The best example I can give you, my parents were deaf, I told you all, right? There was card games in, in my father's, uh, his studio was in our apartment, of deaf people with cards, but deaf people are so curious with the vision. They covered all the mirrors because they knew they're going to look at the mirrors, right? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of blind people um, uh, were, were uh, their electrodes 
have paralyzed temporarily the occipital lobe. That's the lobe for vision, right? You know what happened? They couldn't read Braille. So basically, they used, because most of you could not read Braille. If I gave you those points, you could see them. But if I tell you to feel them, you'd have a hard time with them. I read Braille, because that's what I've done, you know, in my childhood. So what I'm saying is, basically, you use parts of the brain for things that you need. But it can never happen without change and repetition. Okay? That's, I think that's a very important thing. Now I want to tell you something else, and this is where my complaints are beginning. You told me that the doctors in Stanford said that there's no way for you to wake up an area that was damaged by stroke in your visual system. Mm -hmm. That's not the first time I'm hearing it. It's not the last time I'll ever hear it. Just want you to know that. It's what they think. And they told you genuinely exactly what they think. Okay? I don't blame them for saying that. They didn't read, they didn't read the new book. Again, <clears throat> that ophthalmologist in Italy said, for the last 30 years, they're talking about flexibility of the brain. And we, in the medical profession, don't use it. Okay? Okay, so, because we, they use what they learned before. So here's what, and they, you know, they make it always better. They, they basically advance it. But they don't really, they don't really look at new potentials and new concepts. They just improve the old concepts. So cataract surgeries, let's say, for, in the past, took two weeks of recovery. Cataract surgery in the present takes one day. Okay? So they improve the cataract surgery. But it comes to the same thing. They remove your lens. Cataract surgery in the past, they gave you thick glasses, like my son had, because he had his surgery when he was an infant. So they couldn't replace his lens. Uh, cataract surgeries in the present, you have an implant. All kinds of improvements over the same thing. But they didn't in the past, and they don't in the present prevent cataracts. Okay? That's what I do. That's the difference. So let's, let's talk further. So let's leave me out of it because I'm outside of the establishment. But there was a group of, um, of neurologists, neurologists, right? Right. MDs, neurologists, which included some neuro-ophthalmologists, this is very educated people, that have shown that if they take light therapy, like blinking lights, like we've done here yesterday, but, you know, with different intensities. And they stimulate blind areas in strokes, okay, that a third of the people have significant gains. A third of the people have small gains, and a third have no gains. They came to ophthalmologists, they put them completely. 200 neurologists, okay? Then they came to occupational therapists who told them that's impossible. So it died out. It's, uh, I've published it in my book, Awakening. I quoted the exact article from the New York, New York Times. They died out. So if you bring new concept in the world, it used to be <clears throat> you had the thesis and you research it. Now the thesis has to be accepted by your peers before it's being even looked at. Okay? So basically, you came to a place which is Opposite than the establishment. That's me, okay? I absolutely don't look... If I would accept the establishment, I would 
read your speech in Braille. That's why I have a blind certificate. But also have a driver's license. You know? Right? Remember the joker told you about that, right? Yeah, yeah speed bumps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. So, so what I want to say is that um, my criticism is that there's no opening to new ideas, which we're going to practice in five minutes. Sorry to make such a big lecture. And now I'll tell you something that really boiled me. And this is why I want you to order my books from the li Braille libraries. A nice old lady gave me a call and said she wanted my book Vision for Life to be read to the library of Washington, okay, um, where she lives. And the answer she got is that oculists think that this is ineffective, so they don't want to have this book read into the library. No. Oculists found it may help some people, but it's ineffective, so they don't want to delude the public and read it. Now, we as, I mean, I'm in the liberal side, I'm outraged when some books are being banned by the uh, right wing, right? I'm outraged with it. Look what the left wing is doing, the one I belong to, right? Look what they're doing. They're telling us how to think. That was during COVID. That's how downtown San Francisco is dead right now. Okay? There wasn't any place for discussion or negotiation. And I know the ill effects of COVID, you know. I just don't agree with the direction they took. I have blind people as a result of COVID. I know of dead people's right of COVID. And I don't necessarily agree with all the opposition to some steps we're taking. But I'm definitely not in agreement with what they did. Okay? And I'm not going to go into it. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it's so rigid. Science, science, science. You know, the science in the time of the person who found that you should, should wash your hands after you treat cadavers before you deliver, he ended up dying in a mental hospital after he was beaten by one of the uh, uh, guards there because he was checked into a mental hospital after all the medical profession basically told him that they don't see any reason uh, to wash their hands after they uh, work with cadaver. It's better for the ladies. And at that time, when doctors deliver a baby versus a baby uh, being delivered at home, they died 10 to 1. Okay? That was in the 1500. Things did not change. There was that medication. Thalidomide. Thalidomide. I've met uh, you know, people with paraepileptic, uh, uh, with uh, glaucoma, with other problems and that I had to work with to help them after that medication was administered for 20 years to pregnant women, and then all kinds of kids were born. So don't think that science is science. Science is only science if it's being checked again and again. Go science. 